It's that time again. It's Greek for the week. I'm Chris Palmer. Let's open our Bibles and get right down to the original language, the Greek. God bless you. It is Greek for the week. Thank you so much for tuning in. And you know, we have a great show prepared for you. But before we get into today's show, I want to ask you, go to the Bible app. Now, you know the Bible app. We all have it. Hundreds of millions of people are using it. And we want you to go there and download the Greek for the Week version plan. It's a seven-day plan. You know, a lot of those plans, they're three days, they're five days. Greek for the Week is giving you all seven days, one for each day of your week, so that you can follow along and go deep with the Greek. We call it the best for Greek for the Week because they are some of the better ones that we've done that people said are popular, and we put them together, and I wrote a little bit more on them. So Greek for the Week and we want you to go there and download it on Uversion. Just type in Chris Palmer or type in Greek for the Week, and you will you'll find it. And you know something? You'll do us a huge favor if you just take that and rate it five stars and share it with a friend and say, Hey, Greek for the Week. Jump on. Share it with a friend. Let it take you deep into the ancient text. And you know, there's 2,000 years between us and the text, but we believe the Holy Spirit is the one that is guiding us so that we can understand what the text means. So Greek for the week and complete the plan. Read all seven days. Don't fall behind. Let it be a blessing to your life. In the name of Jesus, you version Chris Palmer, Greek for the week, you'll find it there. See, we're putting it out there for you so that you can be blessed and, uh, you know, I started Greek for the Week because a lot of people were saying we want to go deep into the text. We, we don't we, we want surface level. We don't want surface level anymore. We want to just go a little bit deeper. So we're taking you deep here on Greek for the Week. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 14, this morning, this evening, the night, whatever it is, whatever time of the day you're listening to this, we're going to take you there. We're going to talk about encouraging and lifting up fallen comrades. People need encouragement today. We've been talking about this the last couple of times on Greek for the Week, talking about the way that we speak and talking about our presence that brings refreshment to people. And we're, we're stepping back into 1 Thessalonians. This is a church that the Apostle Paul had begun. He's writing his letter, his exhortation to the church, and he's bringing the letter to a close. And the Apostle Paul um, was telling his people that they should be more, let's say, welcoming and receptive to a rebuke that their leaders had given them, and that is that they shouldn't have stopped working. They stopped working because they thought the return of the Lord was near. The, the leaders told the people, you guys, you can't stop working. You have to keep on making a living for yourself. And the people got offended. It's so interesting today that when pastors, I speak to pastors, and they rebuke people in their congregation for things that, and they lovingly do it. They do it the right way. They lovingly say, hey, you, you know, you shouldn't do this. You can't do that. A lot of times people have a way of getting and taking offense and leaving the church. Back then there wasn't a lot of churches you could go to uh, like there is today. Today if the pastor corrects something in your life, a lot of times people that dislike authority, they dislike authority for different reasons. Maybe they had a poor parent growing up. They had a teacher that verbally abused them, whatever, but they have this disdain for authority in their life. They have a way of saying, well, this pastor is not the one that's supposed to be telling me to do But the Bible says your pastor, his job or her job is to look after your soul and to watch out for it. So that's going to mean at times a rebuke. That's why there should be a distance between friendship and profession, you know, say professionality, for lack of a better word, between you and the pastor. Because if the pastor is your good buddy and your good pal, it's harder to receive a rebuke from somebody that you're familiar with. That's a true fact. And Oftentimes people don't like it because they think that's putting the pastor on a pedestal. But the fact is, 
If you're buddy buddies with your pastor, oftentimes they can't give to you the word of the Lord and you receive it as easily. Be as it may, the church in First Thessalon uh, in Thessalonica, they're a little bit discouraged about how uh, let's say a little offended about how it, it had been received. And so this is where we find ourselves in First Thessalonians chapter five. Now it's interesting because it says in verse twelve, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem very highly in love because of their work. So he's saying, don't get offended with your leaders. Respect those who labor among you, respect those who are over you, and respect the ones that admonish you or rebuke you. In other words, when you receive an abuke from a pastor, I've been rebuked by my pastor, it hurts, it stings, but the Word of God says we're supposed to respect them, and we're supposed to love them, and we're supposed to esteem them very highly in love because of their work or their work for the Lord. Be at peace among yourselves. So one of the ways that you create peace within the body of Christ in your local church community is that you show your leaders respect even when they admonish you because they're doing it most of the time and hopefully because they love the Lord and they want to see you do well. And it says in verse 14, and we urge you brothers. Now it says here brothers or Adelphoi, which means it's brothers plural, which that word Adelphoi doesn't just mean men. It also includes women. Adelphoi or brothers was word that was used to speak of the whole community at the time, both men and women, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted. Now, here's a very interesting passage of Scripture because it says here, this is a, a present imperative command, which means to encourage, 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 keep on encouraging, keep on encouraging, just, just keep on doing it. Have an attitude of encouragement. Don't pay any attention to time or to duration or to length. This isn't for a given amount of time. This isn't a six-month campaign. This isn't a six-week campaign. This should be something that continues to go on and on and on. Encourage the faint-hearted. Now, the Greek word faint-hearted is what I want to talk about here today, and it's oligosikos. It's a two-part Greek word, oligos, which means little or, to, or small, or to have a little of something, and sukos, which means soul, and it means to have a little bit of soul left. It means that you're running low on soul. You're running out of gas. Your soul is running out. It is being drained. It's like there's a hole in the bucket, and it is leaking out slowly, and more is coming out of the hole than is being poured in, and it's going to be long. It's not going to be long before... It's totally and completely empty, and that's a person who's faint-hearted. This word referred to someone who had just a little bit of soul left. It was someone whose emotions had been drained. It was used in antiquity to describe someone who was short of breath. Now, I tell you, I'm not in shape the way that I used to be in shape. Now, I live in a townhouse, and uh, there's 42 steps from the time that I park my car in the garage and make my way up to where I'm at in my bedroom or, this, or up here in, in this office my home office, 42 steps, which means that maybe when I moved in years ago, I could walk up and down them real easily. But the other day I noticed I was breathing heavy. I said, I got to get myself into shape. I was tired. I was on the phone. Someone said, you're out of breath. I said, I know. I'm walking up the stairs of my house. I got to go 42 stairs. <laughs> so you're out of breath. You're gasping for wind. Your soul is just doing what it can to stay alive being strangled, being suffocated. Describe someone who who could not pay their rent. Now, if you've ever been in a position where you're struggling financially, you can't pay the rent. You know how it feels. It means to not have the means necessary to fulfill the task that is at hand, and it means to have few resources, to not be able to accompany what is in front of you, and to be drained and 
lack what you need. All this goes into the word faint-hearted. So when it's talking about someone who's faint-hearted, it means they have been working and they have been laboring and they've been going and going and going and going and going, but they don't have the necessary energy to accomplish the task that's at hand. And it says here to encourage them or to build them up, lift them up, to be to be words of life to that person. Now, what I find interesting about this passage is that it's it's a command to the people who are brothers. So if you connect this back to the context, one of the things you'll see here is that I'm sure it applies to leaders. I'm sure it applies to leaders that are in pastoral ministry, the pastors, the ministers should encourage the people, but it almost seems to me as I'm reading this that really it's talking also and has an emphasis also, or it can't be escaped, that the people are to be an encouragement to their pastors and to their leaders. And I really want to say this specifically when I go to congregations and I preach for people, I often see and find pastors who are discouraged, pastors that have been mistreated by their people, and pastors that have been uh, 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 not done right. It's such a blessing to find congregations that honor their pastors, honor the ministers, and lift them up and do right by them. Because when you do that, you're going to get a lot more out of your pastoral leadership versus your always criticizing them, always thinking that you have a better plan, always thinking that what they're doing is not the right thing for the moment. And that really becomes draining on pastors. And so I want to encourage you today, if you're listening to this, be a blessing with your words to your pastor and lift them up and be an encouragement because pastoral ministry is a very, very draining job. Now, I'll start with this and say that When you go get your haircut, you get your haircut, and at the end of the haircut or at the end of your styling at the salon, you pay for the service. You have to. If you do, if you go get your haircut or you go get curls or dye, whatever you do for your hair, and you don't pay, you're going to get arrested. If you go to Walmart, if you go to whatever store you go to and you don't pay for the goods or the services, you're going to be arrested. The church seems to be the only place that you can go hear the Word of God participate in the ecumenical activities of the service, worship, prayer, receive prayer, and you don't have to pay anything. And, you you know, most people would complain if they had to. That's saying we should, but it's free, totally and completely free. And at any point in time, you can just, you could go for 50 weeks, almost a whole year. You go 50 years to a church and never pay. Or just pull out the old, you know, crumbled up dollar in your pocket and just put it in the offering. And that's going to suffice. So pastoral ministry has, and pastoring has that with the job. Now, so people say that it's popular today to look at pastors that are on, on social media sites and pay attention to their shoes, like on preachers and sneakers, and say, all oh, these pastors are wearing $800 shoes and $10,000 uh, uh, whatever gold watches that they have. Let me just say, that doesn't represent the majority of pastors. That is far from the majority of pastors that I know, that I've ever worked with, and I've ever been a part of. That is so far from the norms of pastors. They don't represent most of the pastors. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have those types of accounts. I think some of those accounts have stirred up some good discussion, all right, if it's done fairly. But let's not be so naive to think that a several, several pastors can account for all the pastors. Because what I see on those is when I read the comments, is I see people knocking all pastors. And that's, that's what bothers me. 
is that people think that's all the pastors. That's not all the pastors. Most of the pastors I know have an income that is far below what people their age should be making. All right, so there's a LifeWay research provided this. I want to read this. Um, the article was September 2015, which is kind of recent, right? It's four years, less than four years. But I think this is probably still current based upon there hasn't been any trends that have come along that have that I would think would change this completely. And the, the, the article is, despite stresses, few pastors give up on ministry. And I agree that the article, what it's saying is that there's not a lot of pastors that are, uh, there's not as many pastors as you think that are giving up on ministry. And that seems to be the case because there's not that many pastors I know personally that have actually given up on ministry. They just keep on going even when the situations are rough and difficult. And in my case, it's been, hasn't been an easy road by any means. Here we are still going. Um, a lot of pastors have thick skin. They don't quit. Now, there's a lot that do quit, but it's saying here that some of these statistics aren't correct. Uh, there's some I see going on Instagram. I know for a fact they're not correct. And it just sounds, it, it really just sounds um, sobering. And people like things that are sobering. Wow, this is a really, in, in this, but what it's saying is that actually a lot of pastors feel privileged to be a pastor. They're very happy to be a pastor and in the ministry. And I think that's been the case where I have been, as I find a lot that are. But nonetheless, it is a very discouraging job. It's extremely discouraging. And that's not to say your job's not discouraging, but pastoral ministry is discouraging in a different kind of way. And I just I just showed you one of the reasons being is that it, there's no guarantee on anything, no support. It's, you have to live by faith. You truly have to live by faith in the ministry, and that can be tough. It doesn't have as much security, that's for sure, as some other, most positions do. Um, and this LifeWay research does give you this, this statistic. It says 84% say they're on call 24 hours a day. That's a true fact. Pastors are always on call, no matter what happens. I mean, somebody passes away, somebody gets sick, somebody dies. They have to respond to those calls. 80% expect conflict in their church. That is so true. It doesn't matter. The church, there's always ongoing conflict within the body with people. That can be a tremendous stress on the pastor. 54% find the role of a pastor frequently over, overwhelming. And I would say that because pastors oftentimes have to do things they didn't learn to do in Bible school. Okay, in Bible school, you go to be a pastor, you go to learn to study the Word of God, learn how to divide the Word of God, and, and represent it correctly, how to pray with people, how to minister to people. There's a lot of training that goes around in ministry that can be learned in school, and that's what you focus on in school. Then you get off into the real world, and you find out that running a church is like running a business, and people that go to business school have the business training, but you spend all your school learning how to do the work of the ministry and divide the Word of God and learn Greek and Hebrew and et cetera, et cetera. And, and you're overwhelmed because this is something that you now have to do. The church is not going to thrive. And then if you delegate that, you have to have people that you can trust. And finding people you can trust is one of the most difficult aspects of church ministry. It's, it's extremely tough to find people that you can trust and give a position to who's going to be consistent and integral in what they do. It can be tough. It can be a challenge. You might be listening and say, I've never found those challenges. Well, the majority of us have. 53% are often concerned about their family's financial security. I was just saying that again. No 401ks in most churches. No contribute, even in big churches that I've known of. If you contribute to the 401k, they're not going to match it for you. So you, you wonder about pastors are constantly... Wondering, how am I going to get my kids through college? How am I going to put braces on my kids' teeth? How am I going to take my family on vacation and take my kids to Disney World? <laughs> take my wife to Europe? You know, take her to Hawaii? 
without putting the family in debt. And I've known a lot of pastors who have been extremely in debt and they never talk about it. 48% often feel the demands of ministry are more than they can handle. Now, you might do ministry. You might be someone doing ministry, but pastors have a responsibility that people doing ministry in other capacities don't understand. It's tr- it's, it is truly another level when you have assets that you're responsible for and you have congregations and you have ecumenical things that you're responsible for. It's totally different from going on a few mission trips and uh, um, can do maybe doing online things. And I can say that because I've done it all in those in those regards. And I know there's a huge difference in pastoring the church when you have people that you're actually working with who look to you as they're covering and look to you as who they're responsible to. Big, big difference. And that can be an overwhelming thing sometimes. 21% say their church has unrealistic expectations of them. Now that, it's still 21%. That is one in five pastors. That's still a lot of pastors that feel this way. It's a high percentage. Means that, uh, and I would say, what I based upon what I know and my wide uh, sphere of knowing people in the ministry, this is probably higher than that because they've, I've just, I can tell you that a lot of pastors feel this way. Is that the expectation is, pastor do this, pastor do that, preach on this, preach on that. Do you know this? Do you know how many pastors get people sending them books, sending them YouTube links? Did you listen to this person? Have you heard this person? Have you heard this person preach? Have you? Why can't you preach like this? Why can't you preach like that? Why can't you be this way? Why can't you be that way? Why can't you heal this way? Why can't you lay hands? Why can't you shout? Why? Why do you shout? You know, sometimes it doesn't matter if if you get up and you're a pastor and you preach a sermon, and you just talk. Some people will feel you're not anointed that week because you're not yelling. And then you yell and, and you, you shout. Some people feel like they don't like it when you shout. Why can't you just talk to us? <laughs> what am I saying all this for? I'm saying this because you likely have a pastor who's not me because this group of the week preaches people that are not in Michigan that are not part of my congregation. And I want you today to be an encouragement to your pastor. Why don't you write an encouraging letter and say, Pastor... We love you, we thank God for you, and we praise God that God has given you here to us. Oh, that'll lift your pastor up. Maybe not even your pastor. Maybe a spiritual mother or spiritual father somehow, someone that's poured something into you. Be a blessing to them. Go out there and be an encouragement to them because you'd be surprised how many pastors after Sunday service get discouraged. Maybe that message didn't hit home. Maybe they didn't receive the message. You know, you're really honoring the Lord when you encourage those pastors that are fallen, your words of encouragement can lift them up and be a blessing to them. I'm serious. Take some time. Maybe your pastor lets you text them. Text them. Pastor, we're so thankful for your leadership in our lives. If you really mean it, you should let them know. And if you do that constantly, keep on doing it. Good for you, and I commend you for that. If you're someone that constantly has criticism for your pastor, why don't you pray about that and ask the Holy Spirit to check you about it. Because that may not be coming from God. It may be a tool of the enemy to discourage your pastor and keep them from being everything God has them to be and from pouring in everything God wants them to pour into your life. Okay? So that's this week's encouragement to you. Encourage those who have little soul left. God bless you. Pray that you enjoyed this. Remember, you version. there's a link on my Instagram. Go on, Chris Palmer, Greek for the Week, and download our you version. Finish the uh, Complete Your Bible program. It'll be a blessing to you. And uh, share this podcast with a friend. Tell them Greek for the week. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support us further, you may visit us on the web at lightoftoday.org. 
God bless and good studying.